Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Today we hear from Tim Irvin and Chris Murphy from Clifton Larson Allen, a CPA firm that specializes in craft beverage. We dig in on all aspects of financial planning, business planning, key metrics for breweries, and of course your financial review process, what that should look like. Tim and Chris also elaborate on the importance of getting a good understanding of the cost structure of your company, how to develop your capital plan, and how to think about wealth management. So for now, please enjoy this conversation with Tim Irvin and Chris Murphy from Clifton Larson Allen CPAs. All right. Hey, Tim. Hey, Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Kerry. Glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity, Kerry. Great to have you guys. Great to be talking about numbers, financial planning. So let's, <laughs> let's uh, before we jump right in, I do want to have each of you guys uh, give our listeners just a brief overview about you, about this, the firm, the services you provide. So Tim, why don't, you, why don't you go first and then Chris, let's hear from you. Yeah, great. Thank you. So uh, CLA, we're a, a large professional services firm um, from a CPA firm perspective. We're the eighth largest in the, con- in the country. Um, but three real distinct kind of areas of it, the traditional CPA firm, a large outsourcing practice, and then a wealth advisory practice. Uh, we're unique in the fact kind of relative to our peers from a size perspective that we are solely focused on uh, privately held businesses and, and probably more importantly, their, their owners. So all our peers might be chasing that publicly traded company. We've just made the decision that's not a world we want to live in. Um, and so, you know, really experienced the middle to lower middle market companies privately held and that entrepreneur business, which obviously translates well in terms of the craft brewery world. So um, we go to market by industry. I'm a principal in our manufacturing and distribution group, lead that group here in Chicago. Um, and as a subset of that is, is food and beverage, which is where our focus in craft beverage lives as well. And, and uh, myself and along with Alex Warner, a colleague, lead our craft beverage group for CLA nationally. Um, my focus personally is more on the financial side. So whether that's assurance work, audits, reviews, or it's financial consulting, profitability, um, things like that is really where I get excited, just trying to help clients kind of build value in their business and understand what's what's coming next from a succession standpoint. So Chris, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been working in CLA's biz ops service line, which lives in our outsourcing group. Uh, for the last three plus years, um, work with a handful of uh, craft beverage clients, mainly breweries, uh, 10 years of professional experience overall, S- started my career at a small CPA firms, uh, audits, audit tax, kind of a generalist, and really the last six years cut my teeth with small business accounting. So that's, that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. I'm excited to dive into this. It's funny because I started as well as a CPA firm and, you know, a lot of it is compliance work or it can be yeah. you know, you do audits and reviews and tax returns. And, you know, generally speaking, the client's like, oh, good to see you. When are you leaving? You know, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So I would always try to think, and I'd have one of the partners would always tell me, you know, find ways to advocate for your client and provide value, right? So yes, the, the compliance work is sort of table stakes. You do have to do that, do all the filings and whatnot. But really where the connection comes in is how do you add value to the business? So that's that's what we want to dig in today. Mm-hmm. So let's let's start right now, Tim. Let's talk about financial planning. So this series, what we're what we're digging in on is, you know, what are best practices. Uh, that people should be looking at these brewery owners, whether you're an accounting person or you're you're just trying to straight up run a business. So maybe talk through the financial planning process. How do you guide your clients relative to just attacking what can be kind of an overwhelming thing of budgeting and financial planning? How do you sure. how do you start with that? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I, I mentioned kind of our focus on privately held businesses and, and their owners. And so like you said, through a compliance engagement or, or what have you, we really try to strive for, for four things. We want to help our clients grow. Um, we want to help them improve profitability. Uh, we want to reduce risk. You know, oftentimes our clients, you know, 90% or something of their wealth is tied up in this business, right? So how can, how can we help them reduce that personal investment risk that they might be carrying with their business? And then ultimately, how do we plan for succession? So when we come at if it's an audit, it's a tax return, it's, it's a outsourcing engagement. Those are kind of the tenets of what we're coming at it through um, is just all with that in mind for that owner. And so when it comes to a financial plan, I think the first thing we really look at is, do we have a good understanding of the cost structure of this company? Meaning, you know, if you're a brewery, you're gonna lease or purchase a building, right? You need, you need a physical space you're going to add brewing equipment you're going to have, you know, your brew house, you're going to have fermentation tanks, bright tanks, et cetera, canning lines, um, all of that sort of equipment. And then obviously you need people, right? So we kind of talk about, you've got your plant, you've got your equipment, you've got your people, all of which give you a certain level of capacity, meaning in a brewery space for what we've got here, we've bought and we've paid for a brewery, brewery equipment, brewers, what does that get us in terms of a capacity? Meaning can we do 10,000 barrels a year, 50,000 barrels a year and get to sort of a theoretical capacity in terms of, okay, if we ran this thing 24 seven, we could get X number of barrels of production in a year. Uh, Then to more of a practical capacity, okay, we're not gonna work 24 hours a day. We're not gonna have two shifts. We might just have one shift. and people are going to take time off and and things like that. Right. So what is sort of our practical capacity we can get? And that really helps us drive everything else from a financial plan perspective um, to understand, Hey, if we do that, we can break even at X amount of barrels per month to cover our fixed costs, because we find all of those costs are very highly fixed. Really the only truly variable costs are, or what you're paying an outside third party in terms of raw materials, right? Your yeast, your grain, your hops, all of that. And then if, you know, maybe you're a small brewer and you're outsourcing the canning or certain things, right? That's going to be truly variable based on every barrel of production you have, where, you know, if you do 2000 barrels one month and 1500 barrels the next month, your rent didn't go down. You didn't pay your people less. Maybe there's some overtime here and there that might fluctuate, but you know, you're still paying your utilities, you're still depreciating that equipment and, and things like that. So we kind of come at it with, let's, let's kind of understand what our cost structure is and build from there. Um, because 
the market's going to set the price, right? You're, you're either selling yourself distributing and that retailer is going to tell you what that price is that you're selling to, or if you're selling through distributors, like most of our clients, you know, like I said, market's going to set that price. You might have some four packs that ultimately for retail can sell at, you know, 15 to $20, but a lot of a four pack of 16 ounce cans, right. It's going to live in that nine to 15 dollar per four pack space. And obviously, you know, the math works backwards from that in terms of your price to a wholesaler, wholesaler's price to a retailer. So, you know, a lot of our clients think whether it's a craft beverage company or someone that's, you know, bending metal in a manufacturing environment, think, oh, we just need to drive up our prices, drive up our prices. Well, it's like you could, right. But then you're going to, you're going to lose from a production perspective because the market's going to be telling you you're, you're too expensive. I'm not buying your beer. Um, so it's really understanding that from a capacity perspective, what are those costs? And then obviously you've got office personnel and, and things like that. So really just helping them map that out. And then, you know, especially if you're a, a younger brewery, cash flow is key. It's key for everybody, but even more so in those, those early years and understanding, okay, what are we, what's our capital plan, right? Are we, is it friends and family investors? Can we get senior financing, um, where is that cash coming from and helping them forecast that out to be able to meet demand. Mm. Yeah. And there's so much there, maybe like when you're first working with a brewery client, what, what are some of the first questions you might ask or the first steps? Just because what I tend to see is um, with the clients that I work with is they know they need to do it. Uh, they kind of sort of know how to start, but not really. And then things get in the way and it just never gets, never quite gets done and never gets implemented. So if you, if we want to look at things like how to get the ball rolling, what, what are maybe a few prompts? What have you found successful, either questions or, or places where you say, look, just start with this and this, what, what might those look like? Yeah. I think having that idea of, you know, how much space do you have? Um, and what does that cost look like? You know, I think we found, throughout our client base, we found some that are just very creative people um, and, and strong brewers from a technical perspective, but business-wise just didn't have a ton of experience. And then we've seen others where it was like, no, they, they actually maybe took some entrepreneurial classes and such. And they had this beautiful financial plan spreadsheet that you know we were impressed with. We're like, okay, you guys really got it together. And and then they were kind of focused on, you know, maybe help needed some help on the creative aspect, either from a, a partner or, or from somebody else. But so we kind of see people come at it both ways. I think, again, it's, it's understanding kind of what you're, what you've signed up for from a cost perspective today, where do you want to go? How big do you want to get ultimately? But really the ones we've seen be successful is, is letting that demand kind of pull you forward, meaning I'm not going to start tomorrow a brewery and build a beautiful facility that can do a hundred thousand barrels a year of production. Right. Cause it's going to take me a long time to get there from a just market, you know, demand perspective of people wanting to buy that much beer from me. So I think our, our most successful beer clients have kind of, Hey, okay, we've, we've got a small brew house, a couple of, you know, five or 10 barrel fermentation tanks and such. And we can do five to 10,000 barrels a year. We can afford to pay for this, right? Based on the capital we've raised, we've got sort of a year, two years of, of runway here. 
and slowly, okay, wow, we're maxed out. And, you know, people were on wait lists for, to get into certain, you know, on-premise locations or certain things, um, or more they're on our wait list and such. And so the market's telling us, okay, we want your beer. We want your beer. Okay. We feel good about making that next step of an investment. Let's either a bigger brew house, more fermentation tanks, et cetera, a canning line, let's start production, um, things like that. Do you want to have a tap room or not? It's great from a cash flow perspective. So that's typically a lot of those questions is kind of where do you ultimately want to be? Do you want to be a neighborhood brewery tap room that's going to just do a thousand or 2000 barrels and you, and you're going to have a lot of fun doing it. And you know, it's going to be, are you going to be rich? Are you going to sell it to somebody for tens of millions of dollars someday? Maybe, maybe, maybe not, but it's more than likely not. Um, or again, is it, you know, we want to be that 10 to 20,000 barrel brewery and have some production, but sell in, in our surrounding market. And that's about it. So I think, again, understanding where they want to be and kind of, okay, let's, let's kind of map out the runway to get there. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, I think that from my experience, most people are just like, well, I want to start a brewery. I think it'll be awesome. It's so much fun. Yeah. And, and you do it and then you kind of figure things out after the fact, but I think it is really important to kind of define what it is you're trying to create. Cause a lot of times you create this monster, you know, it could be super successful. It's, you know, you're like, well, this is exactly what I wanted. And, and cash flow is a problem because you can't keep up with inventory and you're hiring all right. these people and you got to buy new equipment and you're like, what's going on? I'm growing sales, but you know, I got no money. So it's really um, important, I think, to kind of think that through when you, from a tactical standpoint, when you're doing this financial plan, this budget, do you guys have like, here's kind of a model that we use uh, and then you maybe modify it. What is maybe take me through that? What does that look like? Sure. Yeah. I maybe touch on kind of a higher level than, you know, Chris, maybe if you want to touch on kind of what you you've done specifically for some of our, our outsourcing clients. Um, sure. We do carry, have a model just kind of within our manufacturing and distribution group that really gets to that capacity planning perspective. So um, it's something more proprietary we've, we've developed where we'll put in the inputs to say, okay, we're going to be a 20,000 barrel brewery, right? That's that practical capacity that I've talked about. Um, and then from that, we can track, okay, well, how much are you doing? Are you only doing 17,000 barrels a year? Well, we're not at hundred percent of that utilization, right? What will it take to get there? Do we need to add headcount? Do we need to add equipment? Um, do we need footprint? Uh, so what are those levers we can pull that's going to help us get, you know, further, better capacity management that's going to drive that profitability. And so we can kind of play around with it with these inputs. Chris and I did this with a, a client that's actually a contract brewer, uh, which is a completely different business model, right? From just a craft brewer making your own stuff there, you have to kind of build this beautiful production facility because that's what you're going to sell somebody. You can't be like, oh yeah, I'll make your beer and I've got one fermentation tank, right? That works for you for your own brewery, but when you're trying to be a contract brewer, uh, it's a lot more challenging. So, so we have this tool where we, we sat with him and we, and we just said, okay, well, what if we do this, right? What if we can do some seltzers, right? That is a lot less of a, of a production time. And we can just, we can just push that stuff through and can we create sort of a, what we would call a swim lane for that to just say, we can crank through seltzers on this, this sort of line all day long, where this one's going to get tied up with, you know, ales for a couple of weeks or lagers for longer than that. And so can we help kind of understand that? What does that do to, for our, 
uh, capacity utilization and stuff. And, and really we put these inputs in and it'll just kind of compute to say, okay, if we're at, you know, million dollars of net income today, we do these few things, all of this incremental revenue is going to drop right through to the bottom line. And, you know, we increase revenue, 700,000, 500,000 is going to drop through the product, just using, you know, made up numbers, but we can see those sort of things real time to just help our clients make those decisions on kind of what they want to do uh, and, and what it might take to do it. So that's more high level, just kind of of a, of a outward looking plan for the next few years. But maybe Chris, if you want to touch on what you've done, just more specifically, just kind of, okay, how do we plan for the next 30 days, 90 days? Yeah, sure. Uh, briefly though, yeah, just to piggyback a little bit on what you're talking about with that value added revenue model, you know, I've, I've had the privilege to sit down with Tim going over this um, after all the inputs are filled out and, and, and really you can play with inputs, you know, in from a planning perspective and run what if scenarios, you know, and it's digestible, you know, you're not seeing a full chart of accounts, you know, getting lost in the numbers, you know, we, we got graphs, um, visuals built into it and whatnot, you know, so I've really seen the power in action on that model um, uh, from experience. And so it's a pretty great tool. The other tool that um, really pops out and that I really love, um, and really checks a couple boxes. It's actually a, um, a monthly cash flow model, you know. So we build in, you know, we have beginning cash at the top of the month, ending cash at the end. You got your inflows, your outflows. You know, we build in separate, you know, this is Excel based. So I have a, another CFO I work with that builds these really cool custom cash flow models. And why I say they check a couple boxes, because not only can you project out cash flow, um, it could be a budgeting tool as well, you know, so you can project out OPEX, um, capital expenditures. Hey, I, I got a client that's opening a second tap room. So let's see what that looks like from a debt service perspective. What's our out, initial outlay? Are we going to have the cash to be able to fund this? You know, so from a high level projecting out cash flows um, is a very powerful tool from experience. Mm. It's exciting. I could talk about those spreadsheets all day. <laughs> well, let's shift a little and talk. So that's sort of the financial, that's the number side. That's a little bit of thinking about, you know, what do you want to create? What's your capacity, utilization, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So when we shift to the business plan, this is really where we're more strategic, right? We're setting kind of directionally where we want to go, objectives and whatnot. Um, how do you guide your clients on this in terms of what does this plan look like you always think like, oh, a business plan, you know, that's either something I have to do because the bank told me. Um, <laughs> but if we're thinking like from a brewery owner's perspective, wanting a business plan that's actually used in day-to-day -day operations, what do you, what do you think is the most important aspects of this and how should someone think about approaching creating a business plan that will be used? Yeah, I think it, you know, it gets back to, again, like you said, just where do we want to take this thing? Right. And, and what do we need to do to get there? Um, you know, a, uh, a brewery comes to mind that I had talked to probably five or six years ago. Um, and they were, they were thinking of selling. It was right around the time that, you know, you were seeing those, the brewery sales to Anheuser-Busch and stuff at, at just crazy valuations and such. And they kind of said, well, I, I, I want a piece of that. And um, you know, but the, the challenge was they weren't a large brewery. They were, you know, maybe 10 million or so in revenue, but that was coming from 
I forget the exact numbers, but it was probably almost 30 different states and like five or six countries. And so it was okay from a value proposition. If I'm an Anheuser-Busch or somebody, well, you're already in these markets, right? Like your value to someone like that is they're going to put you in those markets and, and they're going to create this, you know, overnight demand and overnight just pop in, in sales that's going to drive profitability for them. If you're already in these states and not maybe selling all that much and not that popular, you lose from a value proposition standpoint. So we sort of talk about with our clients, you know, are you, you know, the goal being, are you nationally known, but maybe locally sold, right? And, you know, so we're going to own the market we're in from a sales perspective, but, you know, we're going to go to GABF, we're going to go to other national things and probably win some medals and, and people are going to know our beer, but they can't maybe get it yet. And so it's really from a business plan perspective, okay, well, what are those next markets we think work for us, right? So if we're selling and we've, we've saturated Chicago, we've got a good footprint in Chicago, we're known, we're, we're loved in Chicago, what's next, right? Are we going to branch out to surrounding states? Do we want to try to get some, some exposure on, on the coasts? You know, what, is, what does that look like? Uh, I think to me is, is one of the key. And again, doing it in a responsible way where it, it fits within our capacity structure, our capacity model, and we're not just saturating the market with our beer when there's not that demand, right? So we do some splash distribution or things like that to say, okay, yeah, this, this is working in this market. We think, okay, that this is maybe a, a viable option. Let's talk to some distributors and, and get into that market more, I think is, is probably key in terms of a, you know, next year, two years, five year outlook in terms of, okay, what other geographic markets do we want to expand to? Are there other product lines we want to expand to? If it's, you know, CBD water was, was popular a couple of years ago that breweries were talking about. Seltzers obviously came on. Ready to drink cocktails is, is a big thing these days. So, you know, is that something that a brewery wants to, to kind of dive into or not? Um, to me, I think are, are key in terms of helping drive that business plan. And again, for ultimately what does an exit of this thing look like? Is there an exit, right? Is there a transfer to another generation? Is there a, you know, a management buyout? Is it a outright sale to a financial buyer, to a strategic buyer, you know, kind of what through all these decisions, what is helping us increase the value of that business, of that business, of that brewery owner's asset um, that ultimately is going to just meet their goals from a financial and retirement perspective. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting setting. Cause I'm not sure how often this is done. I'd be interested in you guys telling me in your experiences, like how often, because I think everybody knows you got to do a budget, you got to do a financial plan, whether we do it or not is another question, but we know <laughs> we need to the business plan. How often do you see your clients either updating the business plan or updating it, using it, and or kind of syncing it with the financial plan? Like, do you see those going together or are they disconnected or how, and maybe relatedly, how do you, how would you guide your clients on that? Yeah, I'd say probably not surprising to you, Carrie. I think it's all over the board. I think we do see some of our more successful clients are continuously updating it, following it. They all know where they want to go. It's, it's extremely well thought out and, you know, and they've, they've looked for every possible, you know, hurdle or thing or obstacle to get to where they want to go. And before they really pull the trigger on something, they 
they kind of have, they vetted everything uh, and they're not afraid to pivot either. If they say, Hey, this is what we thought. We really spent time in this. We looked into this, but we, you know, it's just not working the way we thought. And we'd rather just get out, you know, cut bait now versus to can, to keep going down this path. If we don't think the value is going to be there that we thought. And we have others that just, that don't, that just are, you know, maybe they're smaller still, and they're still just trying to, maybe their business plan is still just figuring out their current market and their current capacity and, and going about it that way. But, you know, I think our goal and, you know, and Chris's goal with, from an outsourcing perspective is, is just sitting with them as often as they want to. I think, you know, we want to probably at least chat and check in quarterly at a minimum, but, you know, and Chris's outsourcing engagements and Chris, I won't speak for you, but I think it's, you know, monthly you're sitting down and looking at KPIs and, and certain things to see that we're on the path that we wanted to be on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think also to add, I think we're in a unique per, uh, position as a professional services firm. So mostly fractional that, from either from a staff level, a controller, CFO level, we're pretty very fractional with the clients that we work with. And a lot of times the clients have been in operation for a few years already before they come and uh, engage us. You know, typically they, they've recognized the need of partnering with a CPA firm that's got all types of service line capabilities, um, you know, and for the clients that want, you know, that are open to it, you know, I, I highly recommend meeting monthly. You know, so, you know, I, so we can share our perspectives, we can ask questions, you know, we can, we can relay some high level things that we're seeing with the business um, and uh, taking the conversation from there, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. So from a, so we create the financial plan, we've got our business plan, we're hopefully updating it, communicating it. And then there's this monthly process or whatever the the proper timing is to do that review. So financial review, what does that look like? What's the ideal and how do you guide your clients on that? How to kind of check what's actually happened back to, you know, what the plan was. You want me to take that one, Tim? Yeah, please do. Yeah. So from a, you know, this, this tends to be our bread and butter. Um, you know, uh, one of our fastballs is, uh, monthly pumping out monthly financial statements um generally in our engagements we we love to staff each client with at least one preparer and one reviewer you know in case somebody leaves there's a continuity of the engagement that's maintained um and ensures a little bit more quality um of the work product when there's a little bit oversight between a staff and a controller um frequency most of our engagements are month are monthly engagements you know we do um have some quarterlies, you know, I, I go back to our, our services are really custom to each client and we really try to listen to them and understand their needs. Um, and we can make recommendations from there. Um, plenty of conversations we have beforehand um, during the proposal phase um, to really give this particular, any particular client exactly what they're, they're looking for, make sure they're getting that value. Right. Um, so in terms of timing, in terms of monthly close, you know, the latest we like to shoot for the 15th of each month, you know, we are flexible and we can be accommodating. Um, if there's a more urgent need, um, that those do come up, you know, so from the typical reports, you know, we have our basic balance sheet statement of operations. Um, 
personally, my approach is I like to start with the balance sheet and statement operations. And as I get to know the business and their goals and understand their strategy, you know, working with them to develop a KPI. And that's a continuous thing where um, constantly dialing the KPI, whether that be, um, you know, uh, uh, projecting or not necessarily projecting, but reporting on actuals, you know, what do we, what's our target? How did we develop that target? Do we need to adjust the target, you know, each month, you know, we've, um, the Brewers Association, Brewers Association put out a benchmarking, they put out that annual, uh, they have some benchmarking metrics, you know, for breweries of different sizes, you know, so that's been an incredibly valuable tool, bounce, bounce our actuals against the, um, the historic benchmark um, as well. You know, but it's a it's a it's always a working process, you know, in terms of reporting. Um, and we continuously dial that in for each client. Um, yeah, I think that consistency is so important because people often when I'm working with with clients, they'll ask about maybe the particulars of where to record stuff. And is this cost of goods sold, is operating expense, this, that, and the other. And generally what I'll say is you know, you could make an argument for this one, but it's really about the consistency. So this consistent review, the accountability of and checking in on. So closing the month, here's the plan. Here's what we actually did. Here's where we deviated. I mean, it's fairly basic when you say it out loud, but it's also like, just because it's simple doesn't mean we do it all the time. Right? So these, are, right. these are these are really, there's good financial hygiene to some degree. So if you do these things, I, I think it, it can really make an incredible difference uh, in your business, just, and to have someone kind of guiding you along the way, I think is really important too. Cause I know I, I have it in my own personal and professional life. Like I know what I should do. And then, you know, invariably I don't yeah. do it. Yeah. If you, if you get a coach, you get accountability partner, boy, it can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So let's, um, let's talk about software. Cause I always like to kind of, I'm very curious about it. I know folks listening um, in terms of a software stack, what do you typically see for your brewery clients? What are they using financials, operationals, maybe metric tracking, any, any goodies out there? What's, what's typical? Yeah, I, I, this is definitely an area where I spend a lot of time um, from an operational accounting standpoint. Um, you know, so when we talk about like entry-level software, um, you know, when moving away from spreadsheets, you know, we, I've seen it's very common for QuickBooks Online to be the GL. Um inventory, you know, entry-level software we, we've we seen as Echos and Beer 30. Um, AP management and that um, if when we're talking about volume, you know, when we start seeing higher volume of transactions, we may recommend a add-on like bill.com, um, expense management. Um, the tool very cost-effective is Tally um, is a good one. Um, uh, POS. Um, so mostly have seen square and arrived with breweries, um, with square square. We, we discovered this great third-party data transfer company, commerce sync that fully automates the POS accounting for square. Um, and there's some flexibility as to how to have the data spit out, you know, so if you're not already noticing, I'm a big, uh, data transfer guy, how do we efficiently move data from one area to another? Um, without manual intervention, you know, that's constantly where my head's at. Um, with web sales, we've seen Osner take off, um, uh, payroll, typically, uh, entry level, again, Gusto ADP run, um, 
internally here, we have a month end close tool that we use is uh, Flowcast. Um, that's uh, we found some definitely some efficiencies gained in adopting that tool. Um, the reporting supplement, my favorite so far is Fathom. You know, the visuals, the visual um, uh, uh, representations of KPIs, I think is a lot more digestible for clients, you know, getting away from the numbers, but putting it into a visual chart or graph, you know, some pretty cool, um, pretty cool tool from that perspective. So those, I think that covers most of the bases, you know, from a small That's business. Good. Yeah, absolutely. I love the data transfer thing. So t- tell me again on the square, you said you found it like an interface for square. Yeah. It's what is a, it called? It's called Commerce Sync. Um, Commerce Sync. Okay. Yeah. And through discovering that I, I, you know, I started a relationship with uh, somebody uh, over there. And so we have some constant uh, good, good uh, networking sessions, you know, but um, what they do with that tool, it's very rarely do I come across fully automated. You know, I really can't say that about a lot of tools. So I, that, that makes me really excited. Um, you know, after I saw that deployed with a client, so it's, uh, it's the power of that is pretty great. Um, mm-hmm. And the flexibility with how to have the data spit out, you know, so. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll put links for everybody to check those out. But that's that's a nice lineup there. I hadn't heard of a couple of those. So Osner again, is that O S N E R? Osner for web sales, you said? I believe it's O Z N R. O Z how it's spelled. Um I've seen a couple of clients adopt that, um, start using that. It's a, it's kind of a platform for brewers and um uh direct to consumer. So the brewers and the consumers come together in a platform for buy and sell. So oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Well, let's um, let's shift back over to some numbers because we love numbers. <laughs> key metrics. Uh, everybody loves key metrics, as do I. And what do you think is most important when you're working with your clients? How do you help them kind of narrow down what KPIs they should be looking at? Yeah, I think for me, Carrie, it gets back to just that capacity management perspective, right? And then, I mean, we're pretty passionate about that in terms of the biggest way you can drive profitability is effectively utilizing the capacity you've bought and paid for. So, so for me, it's really just, Hey, how many barrels per month, per quarter, per year, are we getting through our production facility um, compared to how much we, we should based on, based on the capacity structure we've, we've paid for. Uh, So for me, that's, again, that's probably the biggest piece is are we effectively utilizing that, um, cause that's just going to really be the biggest impact on, on ultimate profitability and, and value from a financial perspective. But I know Chris, I know you've got some others with some of the clients that you're working on that, you know, might be even a little more detailed than that. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, but first to piggyback a little bit on that value add, you know, that, that, that tool can be applied to most breweries, you know, and it can be very telling regardless of what their strategy is. But I always try to remind myself when we start talking key metrics, you know, we got, we can't talk about, we can't talk about reporting until we first talk about the goals of the business, you know, and the strategies mm-hmm. out for that, how to, for them to achieve it. So really I need, I try to tell myself, step back, you know, first have a, a really um, candid conversation with the client, you know, to, what's important to them, you know, what, where are they shooting for, you know, and then figuring out how to measure against it, you know, so working backward, not necessarily working backward, but that there needs to be a foundation of a discussion first, but some of the things that could be more common, you know, to, to, you know, could be under the umbrella for most breweries, you know, that value added revenue model that 
Tim's talking about, um, you know, uh, figuring out uh, barrels sold and dividing that by, you know, revenue, COGS, net operating income, net income, EBITDA is a, is a common one. Um, and so, uh, sorry, lost my train of thought there, but yeah, that, that, I think the key, key takeaway there and the thing that's really drilled in me is starts with a discussion, you know, there's no catch all to key metrics there, um, you know, for the most part, you know, so. Yeah, no, that's a good point is, you know, kind of get clear. It's just like the business plan, right? Like get clear on what you want to create. So if you think about a business plan, where do you want to go? How are you going to get there? It's as simple as that. So, you know, your KPIs can kind of, you can ask maybe similar questions and then you right. can sort of quantify what are the things we need to do in order to get where we want to go. Mm-hmm. And that, maybe that sounds easy enough just to say it. But <laughs> it does, does you like, oh, well, what does that mean? And then, so it does take a little time you know, and I'll often advocate for people to um, write out what it is that they're trying to accomplish in words, because numbers can be intimidating, and we're not really sure what I'm supposed to be tracking and how that debit and credit thing works, and we get to give up. So we just kind of talk it out. I think that's very helpful too, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then get those KPIs to to really measure it. So mm-hmm. that's very cool. Yeah. And I think Chris touched on them, right? It's just, it's barrel sold. And from that it's revenue per barrel, are you controlling, you know, we talked about capacity, but are you controlling the cost structure that goes with it? Right. So what's your costs per barrel that that's going out that shouldn't help you then obviously gross profit margin. But again, we talked about how the market's going to kind of control the, the pricing side of things, but you still want to be, be tracking that because just understand, because maybe you do have a different product mix of what you're, of what you're doing. Um, you know, if you have a tap room there, understanding kind of metrics within the tap room in terms of, you know, volume that's that's going through there. Um, and I guess the last piece is just if you do have, you know, bank financing, just to make sure you understand what covenants are as part of that and that you're tracking those. Um, you're going to be, you should be tracking them because the bank's going to be wanting to ask for whether it's borrowing based certificates or quarterly kind of check-ins on covenant ratios and stuff, but that should be something you have a good handle on and understand that any decisions you are going to make and how they would impact those ratios as well. Yeah, no doubt. So let's, uh, as we start to wind out, let's, let's talk a bit about compensation, compensation structure. Um, so it's, a, it's an important topic. I think I get the question a lot, particularly as it relates to, so brewery sales personnel, you know, how should I pay them or even, you know, your key managers and things like that. How are you, what are you seeing from your clients? How do you guide them on maybe the connection between compensation and financial outcomes that you're going for? Yeah, it's a good question. It's it's one that we don't get overly involved in with our clients, but I think generally speaking, you know, the structure should align with, with the goals, right? You don't want to create bad habits, right? So if we would see whether it's brewery specific or just kind of in the, in the market from a manufacturer's perspective you know people can can play around with things if it's if it's based on just a sales dollar right well i can i can sell more by lowering a price and you know the revenue total is going to look great but are we are we achieving the profitability we want right so so then do you get to is it based on a, a gross margin perspective and a in a percentage of that you know i think what we find to be most successful is just 
whatever the whatever the compensation structure is should just align with the overall goals, right? Getting back to that business plan of of the brewery, and and you're compensated for helping advance that, right? And so it's not this, you know, me versus you. If we're two salespeople, right? Competition's healthy, but you don't want to be doing anything that might influence a bad decision from a sales perspective, right? So it's just are we all contributing to creating that value of the brewery and advancing that? And if so, you know, how can we structure compensation accordingly, right? Is it sort of a, you know, a share from an EBITDA perspective, a percentage of that, because now you're being compensated, not only driving growth, but helping with from a profitability perspective too. So typically I would think that's what we see the most is just, you know what, Hey, you're part of this sales team or you're part of this overall management team we just want to grow EBITDA. We want to grow value. And so if we're all contributing in our own ways to doing that, then that's really what's going to drive any sort of, you know, variable compensation from a bonus or other perspective. Mm, absolutely. Chris, anything you, you more specific you've seen? Uh, so creative, you know, I mean, it, it can be tough, you know, if you're, if you're paying at round market rate, you know, this, this climate, you know, it's definitely, a, uh, you know, in a lot of areas, it's a worker's economy, um, you know, so it could be tough to, to keep and retain, you know, I mean, if it's possible, if it fits in the budget, you know, paying above market rates, um, you know, I'd venture to guess that that would, uh, you know, allow, um, you have a little higher probability of retaining your staff, you know, kind of turnover. So I uh, had a client um, put in place a, incentive for their taproom manager you know so you know so their their bonus is tied to the results of the taproom and the web sales you know so that's you know how, what is there is it possible to insert some incentive there you know i think is one of the key tables but like tim said you know that's a side of the business that we we typically don't don't see a whole lot of um you know but from what we have seen you know that's kind of it you know yeah, it's tricky. I mean, the market's really tough right now. There's no doubt about it. So, yeah, I mean, we're seeing it with our own people or certainly our clients are seeing it. It's just in, you know, and it's you're certainly not going to get rid of people because they're impossible to not that you would want to anyway, but even in this market, they're impossible to replace. And so it's it's definitely a challenge. I think we're facing it as a CPA firm. Our clients are facing it and and basically everybody. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. So where, how do you guys stay up to date? What, what are your industry publications, resources? What are you reading or listening to or watching that would be interesting to share with the listeners? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I think locally for me, you know, we are members of the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild, um, which has been a, a great resource and attending, you know, meetings from that you know, and even what's I think fun for us is even just being part of, you know, as a member, being part of the email list serve. So you just see kind of some of the communications between brewers themselves saying, Hey, we need this kind of hop or does anybody have extra of this or that? And so it just kind of gives you a peek into just the day-to-day a little bit, but, but also quarterly meetings from a resource perspective and then, you know, publications and such from brewers association and, um, attending, I know Chris was at CBC, uh, last month and, you know, attending different events like that. And then I think just, you know, social media, I always 
follow any of my clients or other breweries just to see kind of what's going on in the market. Um, and then just, you know, podcasts like this and, and other things. So I don't know, Chris, anything further? You're yeah. Doing? Yeah. You touched on the big ones, you know, um, we go to these, this, our local guilds, uh, quarterly meetings, um, CBC. I really didn't anticipate this was my first time attending CBC. Um, and I was on the, was it the, the leadership track they have seminars and so a lot of a lot of great information from a finance and accounting perspective and even a little bit beyond that you know understanding market trends um what's on the horizon you know um you know i found that incredibly valuable carrie i've been listening to your podcast for about a couple of years you know um kudos you know mm-hmm. you're you're throwing out pearls on a, on a regular basis you know so definitely um listening in on that and that's been incredibly beneficial too you know so I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's as good. It's as good as the guests that I have. So you guys are really bringing it. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, guys. This has been fantastic. Hopefully, a lot of good takeaways for people listening. So, um, someone wants to get in touch with you, your firm, lo- learn more about what you do. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So claconnect.com is our external website. Um, and so there's, you know, landing pages for manufacturing distribution and and craft beverage and things like that. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, just reaching out to either Chris or myself, um, you know, can get our information, I'm sure carry through, through you. Um, and yeah, we'd be, we'd be happy to to chat with anybody on any sort of brewery or craft beverage questions or, or struggles. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.